1: Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
2: Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. We do this every Sunday, starting at 2 o'clock. And I thought you needed a little extra treat. So, I'm indulging myself. I invited actor Michael Zegan who plays the on-and-off-again husband in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, everyone's favorite TV show. Michael is going to be here telling all. We're in season four, and I'm very excited about it because we don't know what's going to happen. They're still shooting it. We've got season five to look forward to, and then they say, That's gonna be the end of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Also, I think you're gonna like hearing Isaac Misrahi, one of the bright lights in our town, and Isaac is about to open at the Cafe Carla. For the whole pandemic, it's been closed, and this is a big deal. He's one of New York's amazing characters, truly a Renaissance man. So I'm inviting you to join me today The Joan Hamburg Show. You're going to have a good time. And thank you so much for being part of our audience. Everything right now, straight ahead. The
1: First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats.
2: I've told you in the past about one of my favorite cheese stores, Murray Cheese. Have you ever been there? It's really good. And they have various locations in and around the city. But, and I send gifts from there quite often, but they're doing something interesting for many, many years, a grown up lifetime. People would come to New York and go to the Carnegie Deli famous on seventh Avenue and everyone would gather there and have pastrami and corned beef and roast beef and whatever. All their favorite stuff. So now I hear that Murray's Cheese, which is considered to be among the best cheese shops in the city, is now carrying four of everyone's favorites from the old Carnegie Deli. And I was really surprised. It's on their website, com. They ship All over the country and listen to what you can get 12 ounces of pre-sliced salami or pre-sliced corned beef that's $28 chocolate babka that's a cake if you've never had it or a cinnamon babka which I actually like $20 each and amazing so if you're in Manhattan just know that the Carnegie Deli products are also available at Murray's Cheese from three New York locations. They're Greenwich Village, their Grand Central, and Long Island City. And the prices at the actual stores are a little less than the online. And I was told that the cake, the babka, which is $20 if you ship it, is $13.99 at the store. And the pastrami and the corned beef, which online are $28, are $20 here. Now, the Carnegie is history in terms of the store. But the owner's daughters and granddaughter own it. And they're really resurrecting the magic of this place. And they hold the same standards that earned the Carnegie its name and they're providing the New York deli experience in your own home. Now people love delicatessen. My husband grew up his idea of heaven was a corned beef or a pastrami sandwich. And of course he always loved the Carnegie deli. One sandwich was enough practically for the whole family, but now you can go to Murray's cheese, which has gorgeous cheese and a place to send a gift and pick up this really class a product. So, you know what, if you're a foodie or that was part of your childhood or you love that stuff, check it out. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right, everyone. We've got a lot of Joan Hamburg show today. You know, we do this every Sunday at two o'clock and I'm so happy you're joining us. Welcome. Always more ahead. Taking you behind the curtain. It's the
1: Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
2: One of our great pleasures in watching TV has been joining the Maisel family. Following Midge. Following her on and off again husband. Her parents, his parents, the children. The whole army. We love it. And it's become part of our lives. And Michael Ziegen is the guy, We do we love him? Do we hate him? We're already in a lot of seasons. Is he a villain? What's going to happen to him? He's got a girlfriend, but then Mrs. Maisel, the amazing Mrs. Maisel, our, one of our favorite TV series, she's got guys too. So... Michael, it's been a lot of fun to watch you come of age from the bridegroom in the beginning to a guy who's sort of finding himself and evolving. That's the joy of television series.
0: Well, yeah, thank you. Um, I agree. Uh, You know, he's definitely evolved over the years.
2: I know, and you've played a lot of characters, too, that... Some of them are villains, some of them aren't. As the husband of the amazing, you're a different kind of a villain. And you go through, which a lot of guys go through. You know, you're married to a woman who suddenly starts taking off in a career that you thought was your career. And you're dealing with her, you're dealing with babies, you're dealing with your parents. And like, who yeah. are you? It's so not easy. Well,
0: yeah you know he's and he's dealing with it at a time when uh that was sort of socially unacceptable um for you know a woman to take off the way she does and for him to have to take care of the children um so i i, I mean i personally don't see him as a villain um maybe in the first season in the first couple of episodes i sort of you know i wasn't really sure who he was yeah was right. um so so perhaps I might have leaned into that a little bit, um, but uh, you know he's not the villain. It, it, it's clear that he's just a human being and he has flaws and he's made mistakes. And uh, and like I said, you know I I still don't know where he's going, and that's exciting to me.
2: And that's great for us. That's what yes, sure, yeah, right. Sure. That, that's what we love. And you've certainly done a lot of prominent TV stuff, Boardwalk Empire that was a mm-hmm. great one. The walking Oh yeah. Get, well, you know, a lot of them. So I'm just well, curious. Uh, Go ahead.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I was just going to say, I've just, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky that, uh, you know, I was able to partake in these, these amazing TV shows that I was a fan of, you know, before I was on them, which is, which is so bizarre. It, it's, it's like um, the movie Pleasantville. It's like, you know, I watch a show mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I'm on it. Um, you know, it's but it's, good. it's, it's, it, it's maybe it, it drives me, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, like I, I, it drives me during the audition or something like that. You know, I, I, I want to be a part of it. I want to be in that world. I want to act with those, those actors, those characters. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's just fun.
2: And I also have the feeling that you get the whole family part of the show, you know, that what an important role they play, whether they're on a lot or on a little, those people, we still need to be there, and they provide well, well, a balance which we love as watchers and viewers.
0: Yeah, and you know, and and, and the first time I read I read the, the the script, the pilot, when I was auditioning for it, I just I I felt a, a kinship. I just felt like, you know, I knew these people. I I, uh, I kind of grew up with these people. Not not my family. You know, it's not not necessarily my parents. They're not. They're not really like. The the Maisels or the Weissman, uh-huh. for that matter, but but I, I you know I just I just got it. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I was brought up. Maybe it's what I what I was introduced to in terms of comedy um, when I was a kid, and uh, I just felt like I could be a part of this world.
2: When you were a kid, Michael, did you want to be an actor? Was that something? You know, you grew up not on Central Park West. It wasn't a big New York City grow up so where are you acting?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm from New Jersey, so I grew up like, uh, I'm I'm from Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is like 40 minutes outside the city, and, uh, both my parents are from the Bronx, and, um, you know, they, they, they're, they, they're not, um, actors by any means, they're not in the arts, but, uh, but they support the arts, and, and I, I grew up, you know, going to theater. I, I, whether it was Broadway, we used to always go to Broadway shows, um, which I loved, um, you know, what, whether it be musicals or straight plays. And, uh, and then there was also, you know, my mom used to take me to children's theater all the time, and, which was just, you know, Pinocchio or, or Snow White or something, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, that they used to do at community theaters in New Jersey. And then my, my my uncle, uh, my uncle Bernie used to take me to uh, all these avant-garde shows in the city. You know, I, I remember going to see uh, like a one-man show in some guy's apartment. Um, and And so like I just had a very well-rounded education in terms of the arts. and I, I don't know what it was, but I just it I just sparked to it. and I, I remember from the time I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be an actor, and I told my parents that I wanted to be an actor. Um, so it it was something that you know, I don't necessarily think they they wanted me to to become an actor, but um but they definitely didn't discourage it. and they sent me to acting classes every weekend, which I loved, and uh you know, so they 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 supported it to an extent right. and and obviously now they love it, <laughs> and they could tell all their friends
2: <laughs> and of course, and it's a show that they probably love. I mean, everyone can enjoy this. And fortunately, right, there's going to be another season where we're in season four, but there's going to be another season two. So we really don't know what's going to happen. But
0: yeah, we've already started uh, shooting season five, which is going to be our last season. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's, kind of confusing right now even for me it's like season four hasn't even really come out yet right, i mean there's the first two episodes started. but the rest hasn't come out And there's, there's so much content um and uh, that you guys are gonna gonna see and and we're already into season five so it's uh it's and and the scripts for season five are amazing you know it's just it's gonna be great it's gonna be great and i have a, a good feeling that we're gonna really stick the landing at the end it's oh, bittersweet I, I but so. you know everything comes to an end and I've known about this for a while. And uh, so again, it's bittersweet, but I I just I'm going to I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm just going to, you know, live in the moment.
2: Well, which is what you have to do. You've been in major TV shows and, you know, after every ending is a new beginning. I love that the show is set in the 50s and 60s. This is the New York that was such an exciting time. So it's sort of reassuring when we see it to think our city is going to come back. It may not be like that, but it's going to come back. And even though the show takes place in that time, most of the people are characters, except for Lenny Bruce. You know, you're Mm -hmm. not a lot of people that people would know or have read about. When I was a kid just out of college, my first job was for a magazine. It was in a hotel in New York City. And they gave Lenny Bruce and a photographer called Ouija, a famous New York photographer, permission to sleep on the floor after they both worked all night of this magazine penthouse. And my first job was to wake up Lenny Bruce every morning, shake him and make him get up and get out. So I got the biggest kick out of you guys bringing him back in the amazing Mrs. Maisel.
0: (laughs) That's incredible. That's really incredible. Uh, 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 and, you know, Luke Kirby plays an amazing Lenny Bruce, but I, I wonder what, uh, did you ever really get to know him? Was he, I mean, other than waking him up in the morning, did you get to talk
2: to him? I got to talk to him, but I didn't appreciate at 20 or 19, you know, who Lenny Bruce really was. And I yeah. went to see him at one point and everyone had said, Oh, you can't go to that. It's disgusting. It's a, it, compared to what we have seen today and over the years yeah. he was mild he was very devoted to his mother he was a good guy he yeah, was real yeah he was and really he was actually, a good I mean, guy
0: the fact that he was a part of this show was really a selling point for me when I read when I read the pilot because I've always been a fan of Lenny Bruce I had seen you know the Dustin Hoffman movie uh, years and years ago I think when I was a kid. And, uh, and my uncle had also bought me a few of his records. And so I, I mean, I definitely knew Lenny Bruce and I, you know, I knew his story and I knew his, his tragic story. Um, and so that was something that I just thought was so cool and, and that I thought really made the difference with this show. I thought it was, it was, uh, you know, a definitely, definitely a selling point for me.
2: Yeah. Without question. But I'm curious for all of you who have just joined us, I'm talking to one of the great actors in New York, a man who's worked a lot and who plays um, the amazing, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel's husband. Yes, husband, no husband, but they both can't <laughs> seem to get rid of each other. Now, you started working, you went to where? Did you go to VASA?
0: No, close. I went to Skidmore College in New York, which, in Saratoga
1: Springs.
2: Right. I know Skidmore and has a good acting too. But when you yeah. came out, did you start working right away? Cause you've done a lot and a lot of work.
0: I, you know, I did. I, I was, like I said, I was very fortunate. Um, I came to the city and pretty much started working immediately. That, that didn't mean that I didn't have side jobs. You know, I, I, I needed to actually make a living um, and pay rent and whatnot. And uh, I, I, you know, I did start auditioning, though. I, I was able to find a manager when I was still in college, which was really important, um, despite the fact that it was like a little kids management company. Uh, you know, they, I, I was probably the oldest person there at 22. But, um, but I looked really young. And, and I started doing a character on the David Letterman show. Um, I was playing Dwight the Troubled Teen, which was really, it was, it was fun. And it was, it was a, you know, a, an amazing experience. Um, doing this live television on this legendary late night show, uh, and and Dave really liked me apparently, and would bring me back every week uh, to do this like little kind of silly little sketch. But I mean, that silly little sketch was able to, you know, pay my rent and, and <laughs> uh, afford me the, the ability to eat. Yeah, um, and so starting that's, at that's the top. Much, well, I don't know if that was the top, but it was something. It was you big. know, it was it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was something. It was it was it made me feel like I can do this, and it was it you know it was definitely a push in the right direction. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I got to, I got to like hang out with all these celebrities while they waited in the green room, and I would just like sh- you know spark up conversations mm-hmm. and uh, and try to glean information, and uh, you know it was it, it really was something special, and um, I look back on it fondly. And and from there, I just you know I I just kept plugging away and and. Uh luckily it all worked
2: out and it worked and each one has been absolutely terrific. By the way, you can see, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you have the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on prime video on Fridays. And I know you guys are shooting all over New York. In fact, someone called me today to say that they were on 80 something street on the West side. And there was the amazing Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, well, so, uh, yeah, doing I mean, that.
0: you know, we we're, you're, we're shooting all over New York. We should, you know, as you can see in the in the first episode of this season, we shot in um, Coney Island, which was pretty special. I
2: know uh, 1950s fun.
0: Coney or 1960 Coney Island. And, you know, it's just with this with this show, they just go all out. And I mean, you know, there was hundreds of extras. Everybody's dressed to the nines. And um, it was supposed to be summer, uh, although it was I think we shot like. At the end of april so it was a little cold or maybe it was the beginning of may but it was it was cold uh nonetheless and uh you know everybody just just stuck it out and all the all the background actors were wearing short sleeves and nobody's complaining um and it was just beautiful it was just it was just it, you know it's a gorgeous shot
2: right and you're such a part of the city when you do that and work in in shows like this it's mm-hmm you know, it gives us such a wonderful look at, and the city is magical and it was magical during those times. Is the oh, cast, sure, yeah. what well, you've done, Joel, so many different TV shows. Is this one different in times of your relationships with the cast?
0: Um, you know, we're a very tight knit group. Um, we, you know, there's no egos, there's no arguing We, we, we really do love each other and, and, I think none of us take this, this show for granted. Um, it's it's hard to hang out with people these days because of, of COVID. Yeah, COVID. And, um, but, uh, but, you know, back before COVID, we always tried to get dinner as a cast. And um, I mean, we still do, uh, but you know, it's just a little more difficult right now. And, uh, but we do have, you know, we've got a text chain, a group text and, we, we really do love each other. I mean, it's, I don't think I have experienced anything like this. Not that I've ever experienced anything bad. I've been, I really right. have been very fortunate with, with the cast that I've been part, uh, a part of, and, you know, there, I've never experienced any, any animosity towards each other from anybody. Um, so I guess I, you know, and I've heard horror stories, so I, I don't know. It's just never happened on anything I've worked on that I can remember, but, uh, but yeah, we do love each other and, and it's really, it's, I, I, you know, I did a play recently, um, and a bunch of uh, the cast came to see it, and then we went out to dinner afterwards. And I was just thinking how sad it was that you know this this wasn't going to happen. Um, well, I mean, of course we can get together, but just just working with these people, you know, it, 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 as a, as a group, it's right. it's not going to happen, you know, after this most likely. So it, it was a little sad, and um, I am going to be sad to see them go, but but like I said, you know, I'm just living in the moment and I'm not taking anything for granted. And, um, no, and we're just going to do it and see it through. And, uh, and I'll have some great memories.
2: Right. And take us all along for the ride. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we wonder how you feel about your wife, ex-wife, whatever it is at the moment and her relationships with men. And you still in this series, have a girlfriend. So, Yes. We don't know how we <laughs> feel about all this because, you know,
1: even yes. kids. It's very complicated, par-
2: right? Everyone wants their parents to get back together or people they know. So here we're looking at you and thinking, I don't know what's he going to do. What's going to happen? Are they going to get back together? Because now you seem to be in a fairly good place for the moment.
0: For the moment, yeah, right. <laughs> we'll Just
2: see for the moment, and you've got your the comedy club you've got a lot of stuff but are you going to hold on to it so we got to watch it anyway i'm mm-hmm. excited for you we love oh, the thank show you. we love all of you in it and continued success and good luck and don't forget guys you can see this show fridays on prime video and enjoy it congratulations we'll talk again thank you so much thank you take care Please, I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to The Joan Hamburg Show on WABC. More after this.
1: The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
2: Welcome, everyone, to The Joan Hamburg Show. And we need cheerful. And who can be more cheerful than the one and only Isaac Mizrahi, who is doing something amazing? The Café Carlisle, an absolutely major part of New York Cabaret, of New York history. It's been closed, like so many things. But it is opening with Isaac, coming in for two weeks, a brand new show called In Person, March 1st through March 12th and i have been whenever isaac is at the carlisle or major places i go to see him so this is really exciting guys think i mean we haven't been most places in over two years so tell me isaac my dear how did all this happen you've been planning it for how long well
1: i mean goodness I, I've been I've been dreaming about it for I don't know like two years or something right, and 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 you know last year we did some we did some virtual shows from the Carlisle right without an audience right. and they were great pay per view on Broadway World etc but this is like this is what we all dream of is like being in front of people in that room again you know. That room, which I don't know about you, but I worry about that room only because it's New York City, darling. And I we know. have very few precious things left. And this is really one of them. And, you know, and it's been out of commission now for really like about two years. So this yeah. is exciting, exciting, exciting to me, you know, really exciting. And I have to say, Joan, it's emotional. You know, like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through that night without kind of, you know, cheering up a little bit or a lot, Right. <laughs>
2: well, but we need you to do that because we're going to be the same way. And you've got great jazz group with you, too.
1: Oh, yes. The greatest, the greatest. Ben Walter, Ben Walter and his boy, you know, Ben Walter and his guys are all there. You know, five musicians, six musicians all together and seven, including me. So That's
2: right. The and everyone who knows Isaac, well, now we know that Isaac is not only a designer, but He's an actor, he sings, he's a host, he dances. He did a great documentary <laughs> years ago. And I have dogs, he loves... by
1: the way. <sighs>
2: yeah. Right, and he, <laughs> Sorry, lo- he loves to, to eat. I don't mind the dog. What kind of dog Dude, do you I have?
1: Just... I have two dogs. I have one who is a genius and she never speaks, and the other one who's kind of a monster and he speaks a lot, so that's you are hearing, Dean. And Kitty is the other one. But...
2: Well, I have Annabelle who speaks constantly in a loud bark all the time. (laughs) She she wants to make sure that we hear her. But, Isaac, you have worn so many hats that it's hard to believe. And I remember you telling me you were just a kid even. Well, your mother, I remember a story you once told me that your mother gave you a sewing machine what, when you were 10 or something?
1: My dad, my dad gave me, gave, well, there were sewing machines in the house because he, he, was a, he was a manufacturer of children's clothes. And so there were loads of sewing machines in the basement and he taught me how to sew. He finally kind of, he, I, I bought my own first sewing machine when I was about 12, which he advised me upon and he t- taught me how to use. And then, you know, as I got better and better, I adapted to, you know, the amazing sewing machines that he had there in the house, like these fabulous kind of power machines, you know, these very, very powerful machines, right? Well, right, professional. Um, but that's how I learned to sew. Yeah, that's how I learned how to sew. Yeah.
2: And you started but, you know, making before... clothes then, right, as well, a yes, kid.
1: I did, I did. But before I did that, I did, like, you know, female impersonations, darling, and, and and that was not exactly a source of pride in 19 not not in the neighborhood when i was 12 yeah exactly it was not a source of pride you know my parents would, and so that's i think that's why i i I subverted my desire to go into show business um you know i went into fashion because i thought it was just going to be and i was right you know I, i i what i really needed was to sort of get out of that environment because it really wasn't you know this orthodox jewish environment which it really wasn't a good place for me and so you know i was plotting my plotting my escape and plotting how i could make money enough to get an apartment and leave and get out of there and the easiest pl- the easiest thing it seemed much easier for me to make money as a design assistant or whatever, a gopher. I, I, you know, I had a million connections. You know, in New York, it's all about the garment business, right? And everybody knows fifteen people in the garment business. So, I was right about that. It was very. It, I mean, I, I went to Parsons. You know, I kind of got the best job that was offered to, in my class. I got this job from Perry Ellis. And darling, you remember what Perry Ellis was in, in 1980 of when, I, when I was working there. It was, he was, and it was the greatest job. And I was so lucky. And he introduced me to all these people. And anyway, it led me down this trajectory. And I, you know, I'm not bad at fashion. I'm good at it. But I'm better at singing. I'm telling you, I'm better at telling jokes. And I'm, I'm really excited that I'm kind of on this 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 incredible, like, sort of quest to be to 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 be to do these show, to do more and more shows, um, I have a fabulous like new booking agent. I'm really excited about what's going on in my life. It's like forget about Act Two, darling. It's like Act One. I did Act Two already. Act Two was fashion. Now I'm doing Act One.
2: I mean it. This is true. But that takes too a lot of courage. I mean you you started in fashion. You had trunk shows. Yeah. You did great. You were in major yeah. stores like Bergdorf's. Oh, and yeah. back in your head, you kept thinking, I'm a performer. I've got to right. be when heard. When am I going to
1: do this? When am I doing yeah. this? Like, when is so, this happening? And, you know, and it's been take, it's taking me a little while just because I feel like, you know, I'm not going to. I don't really. Honestly, I, I, I think maybe people are a little slightly confused. They go, wait a minute, I'm going to hear this guy sing and tell jokes. How is that possible? But I think more and more people now, I swear to you, Joan, it's what's really exciting is I get more people stop me on the street and go, you know, I saw your show and it was great. I saw it in Philly. I saw it in Princeton. I saw wherever it is on play. I saw your show and it was great as opposed to, oh, I buy your clothes or something on QVC or whatever it is. You know, that's also very thrilling, I have to tell you. But it's a little bit more meaningful now, when people stop me on the street to tell me they've seen my show. you know the other day, I was at um, the candy kitchen our our our, our beloved candy Bridgeton, kitchen here in champ right. mm-hmm. and this wonderful young woman came up and said i and I was excited to say, I just bought a t-shirt on TV she said, I saw you at Bay Street, and you were hilarious, you know blah blah, and I thought, how great, you know it just makes me feel so great That's that right. i'm actually making this kind of headway, you know, I mean it. Act one, darling, act one, curtain going up on act one.
2: Well, you know <laughs> what? It It is amazing because certainly fashion has huge appeal for so many people, but in your yes. heart, as good as that is, and of course you're still doing it and everyone yes. still knows you as that, it's Isaac. The song and dance man, the yeah, entertainer, the actor. The crazy. It's your thing. heart. It's a
1: crazy. Thing. It is. You know, um, when I was a kid, I used—I've been—you I've, know—I've been going to psychics my whole life, right? Like literally, I started when I we was. We always love that. Right? We did. We've always liked it. Perry Ellis introduced me to this wonderful psychic, and I've been going to her. I was going to her, and then I went to another one, another one. Anyway, I had this fabulous tarot reading. And the final card that I picked was this kind of crazy, like, singing, dancing guy on stage. It was like these – there were like these cards. They were Mexican um, tarot cards, which is a little bit different from other decks. But this guy was on stage with a top hat and a cane. Singing, right? he said, Darling, this is your fate. I don't know what you think you're doing on earth, but you know, until you get on stage and you do these songs and this is what you're going to do. And really, that stuck with me. And so many psychics have told me that. So I'm just kind of waiting for the payoff here. I'm just waiting, darling.
2: <laughs> it's happening. It's, ha- well, it's been, it it's happened and it's yes. continuing yes, exactly. to evolve. Mm-hmm. I That's mean, right. Isaac, to keep up with you is a full time job. Because <laughs> I like it. Who are you today? Where are you today? And by the way, <laughs> Isaac has also done costumes for Broadway musicals. I mean, there is nothing that this man can't do except stop his dog from barking. Except but exactly you right? name it. And by and the he way, does it. can I just He's...
1: say something, darling? I'm gonna tell you what? kind of like the best news of all, which is that I lost about 15 pounds darling okay like oh, you we know what this means to us because i mean we
2: we were all we in weight back, watchers you we go way back in Weight Watchers. Right.
1: yes we were my dear
2: no and secrets you know with us
1: <laughs> no exactly we're old buddies <laughs> the weight watchers buddies but i lost 15 pounds that is something right like that is really tell me is, i don't how Okay, can I tell you how I did weight watchers coupled yeah. with intermittent fasting where you can't eat for 16 oh, hours a, a day. that's a big deal. It, darling, mm-hmm. it I'm telling you it works great. And then the other thing that I have to say, this is the best advice I can give anyone on a diet. Don't weigh yourself. Never weigh yourself. Weigh your, I weigh myself only when I go to the doctor and Every I only, day. And I, you know, the weigh yourself do not do it it's not good because if you it's just discouraging for the most part it's so slow and incremental if you just stop weighing yourself right and then your clothes start to fit a little bit better and then you start feeling better and you have more energy and then all of a sudden you get on the scale like six months later and you lost six pounds and you're like okay i'll take six pounds you know and then you get on the scale a year later and you lost Ten pounds, or in a year and a half later, like in my case, mm. I lost fifteen pounds. It took me a year and a half, darling, and I'm still want to get back. To, I want to get back to a to a to a to a size four. You know, I'm Two. not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not. I'm not satisfied with. I think I'm about a ten right now. I think I'm about a ten or a
2: twelve. But, I think but I that's okay. Listen, I was telling Such someone who was asking. Well, but for most people, it's not boring. It's the way we all live. And she was yeah. talking about cleaning her closet. She said, do you get rid of stuff? I said, well, I have a secret closet where the clothes oh. I wore in Barnard College go back wow. a lifetime. I still have wow. them because I'm waiting to fit into them. Now, you know, that wow. is never going to happen. But I look at them yeah. with great affection right. and say... Don't right. worry, I'll be there someday. Someday, and darling. We someday. all, someday. Wow. I, I still remember so Mandy Patinkin's wife, Catherine, mm-hmm. at our she Weight Watcher session. Mm-hmm. She, she, right, she didn't care, she's a great actress and writer. She, she didn't buy. care mm-hmm. who was in Weight Watcher, men, women, the people mm-hmm. who were running one of the radio stations, and she mm-hmm. would strip to her underwear Before she got weighed. I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. that.
1: I do remember that. I remember everything. You know, I have a memory like a, like an elephant, darling. You, you you show me something. I will never forget
2: it. (laughs) I know it was so funny. She thought the jeans would add much too much weight to her. She's right. So tell me now, of course, we're all nuts. Tell me about the Carlisle show. What are you doing? What can we expect?
1: Um, Uh, uh, I think you know. I'm going to do my best to kind of parse a little bit of what we're going through in the world right now, you know, and you know it's a very crazy time, and it's a ve- and you can't really say that much because you get canceled no matter what you say, right? So right, well, I'm going to no. try to
2: parse correct. It. politically
1: correct is is very very difficult, and right. and the thing is. I am gonna to try to parse through all of that. And the thing that's great about these shows that I do, whether it's at the Carlisle and it's hundred people or it's at, you know, Princeton and it's thousand people right, or whatever. It is, uh-huh. You the thing is like in there, in that it's a safe space, you know, it's like if you kind of come out if you if you if you if you arrive in the right headspace, you're gonna have a good show. You know, and people know it's like out there, whatever's going on out there is going on. It goes on in here is like it's like Vegas. It's sort of like a very sacred space, I think, with the audience. And I'm not exactly it's funny, Joan. Like, I don't think my strength, though, I will. I have a million monologues that I need to to, to speak. And I have punchlines and jokes like any other comic out there. But I feel like what I do the best is kind of just talk, you know, I'm very good at talking. And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to distribute cards on the table before the show, before the shows, and Uh people are going to write questions on the back of the cards. I'm going to collect them and I'll look at the cards. I'll look at them on stage. I'll organize them a little bit. I'll see, you know, I mean, because I feel like that, leaving it open like that, leaving it kind of amorphous and, and, and the ability for me to just kind of address a question, you know, Um, Rather than, you know, uh, raise the lights and point at people and, oh, no, 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 audience participation, no. But a question that came 20 minutes ago from an audience member written on a card, I'm really excited about that. That's going to be a fun thing,
2: I think, you know. I'm talking to Isaac Mizrahi. He's going to be back at the Cafe Carlisle. They are opening, and his new show in person, March 1st through the 12th. So doing something like this, which you truly love and are so good at, are you still looking for change in your life or does this satisfy you?
1: Um, It's such a good question. Boy, you know, that's why, that's why you're Joan Hamburg because you have such good questions, but, and I mean that, Um, but, and I was, and I'm going to say this, which is, I don't know what this sounds like, but I feel like, you know, every day I look for something different every single day. John, I mean that, and, and and of course, and by the way, and I love my creature comforts. I love my dogs. I love cooking. I love you know. I don't know what my my chair. I, I have this wonderful chair that I was for in Bridgetown, and it's so great. It's like you can read in this chair. You can watch it. It's the best thing. And I love those things. But unless something new happens, right? I, I think like creativity is everything. Expression is everything in my life. And the minute that goes, then I'm finished. You know. But for the moment, that's all I look for is newness, you know. Uh, that's my motto. My my personal motto is never boring, never bored. Like That's what I say to myself, like literally every day. Never boring, never bored, you know. Like
2: even, Isaac, during the pandemic, when you, who are Mr. Congeniality and a yes, bigger than yes, life, yes. how did you deal with that?
1: Uh, you know, I mean. One thing, um, I have to say, you know, I had a million Zoom. We had a, I had, like, regular cocktails with, like, several different friends. Smart, My friend right. Mark Morris and a few dancers, and I had a regular Thursday. And then I had a regular with Robert Couturier on Tuesdays and, and, and Cecile and all these friends. I mean, we had regular cocktails on Zoom. That's one way. The other thing is, you know, um, I was bike riding every single day, even in the freezing cold. Like, I oh, have these heated and gloves and these heated socks darling i went bike riding this morning in bridgehampton for an hour i do that every single day in the freezing cold in the boiling mm-hmm. hot i don't care what happens but that's an important thing to like you know stay active you have to keep moving oh, darling keep, keep your moving. head going keep moving.
2: all right so isaac goes out on his bicycle which i want to hear about in the freezing cold zooms <laughs> with friends and cooks and lives a life so you bike like even today as we're talking it's cold and nasty but except the thing is it keeps your mind
1: moving you know it keeps you moving and that's really really important and like everybody else during these past two years i felt confusion and despair and dread you know and you have to do whatever it takes to get through that and i mean it it's like you know people drink and they take pills and by the way i do plenty of that you know i mean (laughs) i love a good cocktail i love a xanax darling i mean you know sometimes you just need those things and that's fine nobody judges anybody everybody does whatever they have to do and so but like i was going to say like the rest of the world i think you know it's think or swim my dear you either have to you either find stuff or, you, or you're going to think and that's not a good thing. And the further you let that go, the further, the, the harder it is to get back, you know. And I know that from personal experience because I was really depressed as a kid. You know, I had a really rough childhood. I was very depressed. Well, you know?
2: w- when you inert. live in a tight community and you don't conform to what people think one right. should be, it's tough for kids
1: yes yes and you really lived through
2: a hard time you had loving people around you but they didn't Mm -hmm. get who you were
1: no no and it was lucky that 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 i had those people around me and that i was born and that i was taught you know to kind of trust my own inner feelings because Uh that's what you if you trust that you're going to be okay eventually i'm not kidding and then and then you know when i was a teenager i i when i was 20 years old, I moved out of the house, and everything just changed in my life. You know, when I was 13, I went to performing arts high school. That really changed my life. That changed the whole trajectory of my life. It showed me that it was, you know, that it was possible to find like-minded people, like-minded people who loved theater and the arts, et cetera. And, you know, I think that's the most important thing to me, arts education, art, young people like that is what is going to save so many, so many, so many people, you know, I don't know why somehow like art is not as important as like gym or sports or something like that. And it needs to be because there are as many artists as there are athletes. And we have to, I feel like we have to cultivate them, you
2: know? And you know, what's important too that you got into this school where you fit in And where you belonged, and you felt like-minded souls. But kids who are Mm -hmm. different, who don't have that opportunity, they have a really tough time getting through high school. It's so dangerous. I know, It's it's dangerous for children. Yes,
1: it is. It is. I mean, God knows what would have happened to me, and I really mean that if I had not been fortunate enough to find that school. I don't know what would have happened to me. You know, I don't know what would have happened. I think about it all the time, but. I'm lucky, just the luckiest,
2: right? Well, and you had a lot of talent, too. And you had enough belief in your own ability to make it. You know, when a lot of kids would have just been so depressed and gone another way, you didn't. And I'm always amazed by the kind of inner strength that that took because who's more vulnerable than a teenager
1: who doesn't feel he or she
2: belongs?
1: You said it, dear. You really said that. You said a mouthful. That is the truth.
2: But you did it, and you continue to do it. Right? And you're evolving Mm -hmm. constantly, which is fantastic. You know, Mm -hmm. you understand what change is all about, and you're not afraid now. Even if you are, you go for it. Right. This is
1: the thing about it, Joan. Like, you know, that's what I always say about my life. My life. Like, it showed me optimism. It taught me optimism, you know, from whence I came. And then just the States took me to performing arts, and they were like, hey, be optimistic because something good is coming, right? And then I went from there into fashion. And everything just – it's like this kind of – you pull yourself forward. You pull yourself forward because of optimism. And, and I feel like that's what's dangerous with kids. You know, you kind of want them to – Know that it's getting going to get better. You just you need them to understand that because I I worry so much about the kids that that don't get into performing arts high school or something, or that don't find calling. You know, that's what I worry about.
2: That's well, we're lucky that we have you, and you can go to the Carlisle and celebrate a return to a normal life, to laugh, to feel happy. And to see this brand new show called In Person, Isaac Misrahi. All the best to you. I'll see you very oh, I love soon. You, Joan. Take okay, care, darling. All the All best. Right, I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. There's much more to come.
1: The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan.
2: I know now that people are emerging from COVID, little baby steps at a time. We do get a lot of calls as, what's good to do? And people still feel outdoor stuff is good. And space is good. If you've never seen the Orchid Show at the New York Botanical Gardens, I want to just remind you, it's dazzling. It's The gardens are spectacular. Bronx River Parkway in the Bronx. You can go on to nybg.org. Advanced tickets is really recommended. It's very popular. Now, some of the exhibits are indoors, but there's a lot outside. Right now, they still want you to show the vaccine certificate. So. That could change because it's changing constantly. But don't go without it unless you call them and find out. The ticket prices for the garden and the orchid show are30 dollars for the grown-ups, 28 for the kids or students and older people. And there's a tram tour, all that's included, and it's a lot of fun. It's something really beautiful. Whenever I go, of course, I always buy too much. But orchids, you know, when they die, you just cut them back and they come again. Beautiful towers of orange, yellow, green and underlating fields of white plumes of purple. It's really quite spectacular. And there's tunnels of light, all kinds of works and information, you'll see the collections that people have rare and iconic specimens. And sometimes if you go and they have night exhibits sometimes with music and cash bars and food, they have a lot of orchid evenings and it will go through some of them the end of March and a lot of them in April. And then of course you go to the shop and you can buy whatever you want. And the prices are pretty realistic. So an activity, the Orchid Show at New York Botanic Gardens. And it will be, check it out. I want you to check it out online so you know when you can go and when they're having their all their stuff. NYBG.org. And I see that we're coming up to the 3 o'clock. So let me thank you for being part of the Joan Hamburg show. We do this every single Sunday starting at two o'clock and you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And don't forget our two podcasts. We podcast the show and we have another podcast called let me tell you, but right now, Enjoy the rest of Sunday. Enjoy all the good programming on WABC. And we'll get together again a week from today. I'm Joan Hamburg. Stay tuned. Ohio, ready for some quick
1: mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime.